This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of hook of hamate fracture from the hand section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Hook of hamate fractures are rare, often missed injuries, generally as a result of a direct blow to the hamate bone, most commonly seen in athletes. Diagnosis is confirmed with either a radiographic carpal tunnel view or CT scan. Treatment is either observation, surgical excision, or surgical fixation, depending on the severity of the symptoms and activity demands of the patient. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence is 2-4% to of carpal fractures. As far as the demographics, it is more common in males in a 2 to 1 ratio. The location of hamate fractures can be the hamate body or the hook of the hamate, which is what we'll talk about in this episode. As far as risk factors for hook of hamate fractures, this is often seen in athletes in sports requiring gripping, such as golf, baseball, and hockey. With respect to the pathophysiology of hook of hamate fractures, the mechanism of injury is typically caused by a direct blow to the volar proximal palm. Again, the mechanism of injury for a hook of hamate fracture is typically caused by a direct blow to the volar proximal palm. This can be from such things as grounding a golf club or checking a baseball bat. Hook of hamate fractures can also result from falling on an outstretched hand. Associated conditions with hook of hamate fractures include a bipartite hamate, which will have smooth cortical surfaces, small finger slash ring finger flexor tendonitis or tendon rupture, ulnar neuropathy in Guillain's canal, and or ipsilateral carpal bone fracture. As far as the prognosis for hook of hamate fractures, there is a high non-union rate with conservative management, specifically up to 50%. Now, let's go over some relevant anatomy. As far as the osteology of the hamate, it's a carpal bone that is distal and radial to the pisiform. It articulates with the fourth and fifth metacarpals, the capitate, and triquetrum. The hook of the hamate forms part of Guillain's canal, which is formed by the roof, which contains the superficial palmar carpal ligament, the floor, which contains the deep flexor retinaculum and hypothenar muscles, the ulnar border, which contains the pisiform and pisohamate ligament, and the radial border, which contains the hook of the hamate. The hook of the hamate is one of the palpable attachments of the flexor retinaculum. And keep in mind that the deep branch of the ulnar nerve lies under the hook. Again, the deep branch of the ulnar nerve lies under the hook. As far as the blood supply to the hook of the hamate, Vessels enter the hamate base via a radial and ulnar foramina to supply the hook of the hamate. Keep in mind that the ulnar vessel is absent in 29% of patients, and an absent ulnar vessel is considered the reason for the high non-union rate of hook of hamate fractures. The classification of hook of hamate fractures is the Milch classification, and this is divided into two types. Type 1 is the most common and is a hook of hamate fracture, and there are three subtypes. Subtype 1 is an avulsion fracture, subtype 2 is a middle of hook fracture, and subtype 3 is a base of the hook fracture. A type 2 Milch classification is a body of the hamate fracture, and this is divided into two subtypes. Type 2A is a coronal fracture, and type 2B is a transverse fracture. As far as the presentation of a hook of hamate fracture, there is commonly a delay in diagnosis and specifically there's an average of four weeks from the injury to the diagnosis. Again, hook of hamate fractures commonly have a delay in diagnosis with an average of four weeks from the injury to the diagnosis. As far as symptoms, ulnar-sided wrist pain is the most common complaint, 
Patients may also have hypothenar pain and pain with activities requiring a tight grip. On physical examination, motion will have limitation in ulnar deviation and patients will have decreased grip strength. On neurovascular exam, patients may have paresthesia in the ulnar nerve distribution. Keep in mind that a positive Tenel sign over Guillain's canal may also be present. Also on neurovascular exam, you may notice motor weakness in the intrinsic muscles. Some provocative maneuvers to know include tenderness over the hook of the hamate, which is the most common finding and has an 80% sensitivity. Other provocative maneuvers include a hook of the hamate pull test and pain with dorsal ulnar deviation of the wrist. With respect to a hook of the hamate pull test, the hand is held in ulnar deviation as the patient flexes the DIP joints of the ulnar two digits against resistance. The flexor tendons act as a deforming force on the fracture site, and a positive test elicits pain. This has 70% sensitivity. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include a PA and a lateral of the wrist, as well as a carpal tunnel view. A PA and lateral of the wrist has 10% sensitivity. A carpal tunnel view is the best radiograph to see a hook of the hamate fracture, and this has 40% sensitivity. As far as findings on the PA view, you may see an absence of the eye sign or a cortical ring. This is normally produced by an intact hook. Indications for a CT scan is to establish the diagnosis if the radiographs are negative. This has 92% sensitivity. However, the diagnosis can be missed if the fracture is non-displaced and if the CT cuts are greater than one millimeter. As far as MRI, this is the most accurate method of diagnosis in cases of high clinical suspicion and has 100% sensitivity. As far as treatment of hook of hamate fractures, options can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative options include immobilization for six weeks. This is indicated in a majority of non-displaced acute hook of the hamate fractures. As far as outcomes, there are high levels of non-union, specifically 40 to 50%. However, a majority of patients are pain-free and have full range of motion despite non-union. Operative options include excision and open reduction internal fixation. Indications for excision include symptomatic chronic hook of hamate fractures with non-union, hook of hamate fractures with ulnar neuritis, and high-level athletes. As far as outcomes, excision is the surgical treatment of choice for a hook of the hamate fracture. This has the fastest recovery and return to play noted for athletes who wish for prompt return to play. Some studies show decreased small finger FDP tendon strength by 10 to 15% with excision. Excision leads to 5 millimeters of ulnar displacement of the small finger FDP tendon. Open reduction internal fixation is indicated for acute and significantly displaced fractures in patients unable to tolerate reduction in grip strength. As far as outcomes, a small case series has shown nearly 100% union rate. Theoretically, there is improved grip strength after open reduction internal fixation compared to excision. Now to go over some of these management techniques in a bit more detail, immobilization will typically be in the form of a short arm ulnar gutter cast. As far as excision, the approach is a modified volar wrist incision in line with the ulnar border of the ring finger. As far as the technique, release of Guillain's canal is generally also performed, and the hook of the hamate should be removed subperiosteally to avoid damage to the motor branch of the ulnar nerve. As far as ORIF, the approach can also be a modified volar wrist incision in line with the ulnar border of the ring finger. The technique will involve a small fragment, headless compression, or countersunk screws. 
screws need to be countersunk to prevent irritation of the deep motor branch of the ulnar nerve. In cases of ulnar neuritis, neurolysis of the deep motor branch of the ulnar nerve is recommended. Complications to keep in mind with hook of hamate fractures include nonunion, ulnar nerve neuritis in Guillain's canal, closed rupture of the flexor tendons to the small finger, and weakened grip strength. Nonunion is the most common complication with a 50% rate of nonunion. As far as risk factors, nonunion is considered the natural course of the fracture given the fracture site motion and poor blood supply. As far as ulnar nerve neuritis in Guillain's canal, there's a 20% rate of ulnar neuropathy, and treatment in this setting is hook of hamate excision. Closed rupture of the flexor tendons to the small finger is very rare, and there are only case reports at this point. Risk factors include excision of large hook of hamate fractures. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Closed rupture of the flexor tendons of the small finger has been reported secondary to, and the choices are 1. Internal fixation of a distal radius fracture with a volar plate, 2. Closed treatment of a distal radius fracture, 3. A large volar wrist ganglion, 4. Spurring of the scaphoid, and 5. Hook of hamate nonunion. The correct answer to this question is 5 hook of hamate nonunion. So nonunion of a hook of hamate fracture has been shown to lead to rupture of the flexor tendons to the small finger. To quickly review, displaced hamate hook fractures are optimally treated with early excision to avoid sequelae such as flexor tendon and nerve injury and to allow early return to activity. Nonunions are often a result of missed injuries, failure of non-operative treatment, or failure of attempted ORAF. The hook acts as a fulcrum for the ulnar digital flexor tendons, and it is believed that excision of the hook may lead to loss of grip strength, though this remains controversial. The proximity of the flexor tendons to the hook may also explain the reported occurrence of closed ruptures of these tendons in the presence of a non-union of the hook. Yamazaki et al. present a case series of six patients with hook of hamate fractures that went on to non-union and subsequently suffered closed ruptures of the flexor tendons to the small finger. They compared morphology of the fractures and found even small, rounded fracture fragments can lead to tendon rupture. Klausmeier et al. provide a review of the treatment of hook of hamate fractures. They note that treatment of a hook of hamate fracture or non-union is based on a reported 11% loss of flexor tendon excursion and case series of athletes who could not return to sport following closed treatment alone. Published series of open reduction internal fixation or excision of hook of hamate fractures both showed good results and returned to sport. Moving on to the next question. A professional baseball player develops acute hand pain after fouling off a pitch. He is tender over the hypothenar eminence and has paresthesias in the ring and small fingers. Which radiographic view is most likely to reveal the pathology? And the choices are 1. PA of the wrist, 2. AP of the wrist in ulnar deviation, 3. Lateral wrist, 4. Carpal tunnel, and 5. Scaphoid. The correct answer to this question is 4. Carpal tunnel. So plain radiographs usually do not reveal the fracture. Carpal tunnel and supinated oblique views should be obtained. 
Diagnosis is confirmed by CT scan and bone scan. Fractures of the body of the hamate may occur from trauma and may occur in combination with fractures of the base of the fourth and fifth metacarpals. Fractures of the hook of the hamate are more common in athletes. The incidence of hook of the hamate fractures is 2% to 4% of all carpal fractures. The mechanism of injury is thought to be caused by abutment of the hook on an object or by a shearing force applied by the flexor tendon of the small and ring fingers. The injury usually occurs in athletes who participate in baseball, golf, and racket sports because of the position of the instrument in the hand. Reddig reviewed hand injuries in athletes. He noted that hook of hamate fractures occur in a watershed area that may explain the high incidence of non-unions post-fractures. Hook of hamate fracture must be suspected in athletes participating in racket sports like golf or baseball who are seen with ulnar-sided wrist pain. Examination reveals tenderness over the hook of the hamate, which lies on a line between the pisiform and the second metacarpal head. Treatment of hook of the hamate fractures in athletes varies from casting to open reduction and internal fixation to excision. Bishop and Beckenbaugh report 21 cases of this fracture. 17 were treated by excision, 3 underwent ORIF, and 1 had casting. Although 2 of 3 fractures that were treated with ORIF healed, Many authors recommend excision, which has an average return to sport of 6 to 10 weeks. And moving on to the final question. A 24-year-old professional baseball outfielder reports persistent pain in the hypothenar region when batting for the past year. His CT scan shows a hook of the hamate fracture. What is the recommended treatment? And the choices are 1. Pisiform excision. 2. Hook of hamate excision. 3. Carpal tunnel release. 4. Decompression of Guillain's Canal, and 5. Open Reduction and Internal Fixation. The correct answer to this question is 2. Hook of Hamate Excision. So the history of this patient is typical of a hook of the hamate fracture, which is confirmed on this patient's CT scan. It commonly occurs in baseball players and golfers. Physical exam findings include point tenderness at the hamate, ulnar nerve paresthesias, secondary to hemorrhage within Guillain's canal, and pain with axial load of the ring and little fingers. For cases seen late, with few exceptions, the recommended treatment has been excision of the hook fragment. Marchesalot provides a review of the diagnosis and treatment for carpal fractures. They discuss the treatment of these injuries, indicating that acute, non-displaced fractures may be placed in a cast and excised if non-union develops. The authors go on to say that certain investigators recommend excision of asymptomatic nonunions to minimize the risk for flexor tendon rupture. That's all for this review about hook of hamate fractures. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.